Section 20 of The Philosophy of the Plan of Salvation by James Barr Walker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Supplementary Chapter, Part 1. An Objective Revelation Necessary as a Means of the Moral Culture of Mankind. Since the first publication of this volume, the question between those who receive the Christian scriptures as an authoritative divine revelation, and those who do not, has somewhat varied its form. The discussion for the past few years, both in Europe and America, has been mainly between those who believe in the divine authority of the Christian revelation, as a rule of duty, and those who believe in the authority of conscience and reason, as the highest guides of man. Neither class altogether rejects the scriptures, but one receives the Messiah and his teachings as of God, the other receives them as of man. The arguments by which the inspiration of the sacred scriptures are usually maintained are well known, and but little can be added to them in their common forms. There is, however, another view which may be taken of the subject, a view which considers a written revelation in the light of the moral wants of man, and as an adapted and necessary means in order to human development. Such a train of thought would correspond with the tenor of the argument in the preceding chapters, and would meet, directly, the position of the transcendental school, all that the moral light which God gives to man is revealed subjectively in the human consciousness, or derived by the unaided reason. If it can be shown that the moral constitution of man demands a revelation ab extra, from without, as its complement, and that the Christian revelation is the adequate and adapted means by which the moral development of man as a being, and of men as a family, must be secured, if these positions can be established, they will place the Bible upon the basis of moral necessity, because the moral constitution of man implies, in order to its development, a written revelation. We propose, then, for ourselves and for our readers, this inquiry. Is man so constituted by his Creator that a revelation of objective truth, i.e., truth revealed to him, not in him, is demanded, in order to the right and full development of his moral faculties? In the first chapters of this volume, the fact that man is, by nature, a religious being, is stated and proved, and in succeeding chapters the adaptation of some of the processes by which truth is revealed in the scriptures is discussed. We propose now to direct our attention to the single inquiry, whether a written revelation be a demand of man's moral constitution, without which his moral culture is impossible. There is a first fact connected with this inquiry which might be assumed, but it will be more satisfactory to exhibit its ground and its revelations to our discussion. Man is a cultivating and a cultivable being. Culture improves nature. There is a certain degree of perfection attained or attainable by the species of the vegetable and animal kingdoms which nature of herself produces. Unusual circumstances may produce choice individuals which are in advance of the natural average. But in succeeding generations, without culture, these will return again to the natural level. No species of things can improve itself. Culture must in all cases come from man. 
by his agency individuals of the vegetable and animal kingdoms may be advanced far beyond what is possible for them in their natural state most species of fruits are flat stale and unprofitable by nature and would always have continued so unless they had received the aid of human culture so the domestic animals are moulded to beauty and utility only by human culture all things below man that have valuable qualities are created capable of culture but the culture must come in all cases from a nature higher than their own man is the lord of the lower creation he advances and improves such species as are profitable for his use and destroys others man is the only cultivator and for his use and benefit nature is made capable of improvement but let us mark especially the correlated fact with which we have especially to do in this discussion man is not only a cultivating but he is a cultivable being like the other animal species there is a certain natural level above which he cannot rise without aid from a being higher than himself see chapter one this is true of him especially as a moral being in intellectual attainment and in the perception of moral principles individuals among men have achieved a high position without as some have supposed aid from an external revelation we will concede if it be desired that some of the moral precepts of confucius socrates and seneca are similar to those of the new testament whatever may be conceded on this point the fact is historically demonstrated and as we think philosophically demonstrated see god revealed in the process of creation etc book two that without aid from above himself man does not attain to a knowledge of the character of god as his father nor to a knowledge of self-denying duty due to all men as his brethren in this respect man is not an exception to the law that no species can raise itself above its natural condition the greeks and romans had many excellent moral precepts but in the knowledge of god and of self-denial for the good of men they were never in advance of those whom they designated as barbarians a knowledge of the true character of god and of benevolent labor for men as brothers is absolutely essential as we shall see to human culture and human progress but all human history and human experience testify that man unaided can no more attain to this knowledge than an animal can subdue and discipline itself for domestic uses leaving the preceding observations for the consideration of the reader we assume again the fact which will be granted even by those who may doubt in relation to some of the preceding statements god has created man a cultivating and a cultivable being and he is the only being created that possesses the double capacity to receive and to impart culture by his ability as a cultivator he may elevate others up to the level of his own attainment and by his capacity for culture the cultivator may himself be cultivated by a superior being we inquire then for the necessary and adapted means in order to the full development of man's moral faculties we will notice three endowments by which men are particularly distinguished from irrational beings the union of the three is requisite in producing human development but the effect of the whole will be perceived more distinctly by first noticing them separately 
These distinguishing endowments are written language, faith, and conscience. A sign language is characteristic of man. Although it may not be manifest at the lowest stages of social condition, it is always necessary as the basis of social progress. Beasts make, to a considerable extent, sounds and gestures which are intelligible to each other, but they cannot impress upon matter a permanent sign of their thought. This is an endowment possessed by humanity alone. It is not necessary to our argument to discuss the forms of the primitive sign languages, or whether there were an original language which was the basis of all others. Footnote. If the present languages of the world be derived from a common origin, which neither reason nor scripture requires us to suppose, the vigorous streams must run back to the parent source before the two distinct forms of alphabetic and syllabic writing were originated. The rudimental structure of the alphabetic and syllabic languages are so diverse that they could in no way have been derived the one from the other. End footnote. Whether the process be by one method or another, every settled nation, with whose history we are acquainted, formed or possessed a sign language. As nations advance in age, language improves, and the people improve intellectually with the language. Colonies carry the parent language into new regions of the world. In the lapse of time, by the intermingling of peoples, old forms and sounds are modified, some words are lost and new ones are admitted, but the attribute of a sign-making and sign-reading being is characteristic of man in all ages, after he leaves the lowest stages of barbarism. The fact is fairly settled that without aiding himself by a written language, man cannot ascend even to the first stages of civilization. But when time and settled condition will allow, he makes for himself signs of thought, and although the methods may vary, the result is the same. The signs written by the hand of one communicate his thoughts through the eye to the minds of others. After the language of any people has taken its form, the degree of civilization attained at any time can be ascertained, with perfect accuracy, by the copiousness of their vocabulary and the shades of discrimination in their definitions. In their written language they accumulate the history, science, and sentiments of the past, and add to these the achievements and experiences of the present. Their words, with fixed definitions, are susceptible of authentication as media of commercial and civil transactions, and, as these are conditions of civilization, nothing can be more apparent than the statement that without a written language civilization is impossible and if civilization is impossible without a written language, we cannot suppose that high moral culture can be attained without an aid which is necessary to the lowest stages of social progress. As certainly, therefore, as man is constituted to ascend from lower to higher stages of progress, written language is designed as the medium of his social and moral culture. But as neither God nor man, so far as we can see, can use signs in any other way than as objective to the mind itself. Hence, if man receives moral culture at all, it must be by fixed signs of thought, presented objectively to the human soul. Signs are the creations of the human mind in which man embodies his logos. They are the medium by which the thought of one is conveyed to others, 
and hence they must be the adapted and only means of social culture when man is to act as an instrument in elevating his race written language connects man with the past and the future in it he must store all he holds valuable or sacred in knowledge without it he would be an undeveloped moral being an infant in knowledge while old in years and in crime a being without science living mostly in the present haunted by demons of the imagination and a prey to human tyrants as ignorant but more powerful than himself but suppose it be granted that without written language man cannot receive moral culture yet are not the signs of that language and the ideas that they contained originated by man and hence while a written language in order to moral culture may be admitted a revelation of truth other than that originated by man may be denied it will be seen when we come to consider the subject of faith that in order that truth may affect the moral character of man and exert upon him an elevating and purifying influence he must receive it as coming from god the lawgiver and judge of men but apart from this consideration which is a vital one in its relation to the subject of moral culture there are plain evidences which prove that man cannot of himself attain to the true idea of the divine character and hence if god be ever truly known to men he must reveal himself in such forms and by such signs as will communicate a true knowledge of his character to the human mind we are aware that there are those who believe and teach that the character of god as well as the being of a god is revealed subjectively in men we will notice the superficial and injurious character of this philosophy in another place but here we affirm that all history and the common experience and reason of men prove the fallacy of such an opinion a sense or intuition or conception call it what you will of the existence of a god is found in all ages existing in all races of men it is a universal conviction and belongs to man as man but no two men have precisely the same idea of god's character the diversity in one case is as perfect as the unity of the other without a revelation man believe that there is a god but their views of the divine character are as diverse as their languages and have never risen above the level of heroism naturalism and lust in connection with the natural attributes of wisdom and power the idea of the existence of god is the idea of being the idea of character implies quality to suppose that man has intuitive ideas of either the physical or spiritual qualities of things is absurd again every man is conscious that he has not himself got an intuitive idea of the character of god every man believes that god is but what he is is with every man matter of reflection or of faith the conscious experience of every man is testimony in this case it is a fact admitted almost universally that the present state of the creation both moral and physical is imperfect following then if it be desired that man has an intuitive idea that a divine being or beings exist how could he get the conception of a perfect character from an imperfect world if man forms a conception of god's character without revelation in the present state of things he must necessarily form a wrong one 
man is imperfect, and nature is imperfect, and therefore there is no archetype from which a true sign of the divine character can be drawn. Hence the histories of man's theologies in all ages are histories of errors. Now it is a fact which is marked and peculiar that the character of God revealed in the Old Testament is revealed in accordance with the laws by which signs are made to communicate first ideas, and in accordance with the nature of man as a sign-reading being. We have shown in chapters 7 and 8 that the word Jehovah, signifying merely divine being, without character, was clothed with attributes by a process of signs or hieroglyphics which formed the true character of God in the Jewish mind, so far as that character was known under the introductory dispensation. Moses was a sign-maker. His dispensation was one of types. From the processes and hieroglyphics of his dispensation, the ideas of heavenly things were produced. This is expressly affirmed in the New Testament, as it is likewise in the Old. Footnote. Exodus 25.40. Make them after the pattern that was shown thee in the mount. And Acts 7.44. Hebrews 9.23. The Mosaic ceremonies generally are declared to be patterns, pictures, hieroglyphics, of things in the heavens. End footnote. Under the New Testament dispensation, we have a manifestation of duty in the life of Christ and of love in his self-sacrifice, which have given new ideas to the human mind. These are rendered permanent in the written language of the New Testament. In Christ's death, quote, was the love of God manifested, end quote, and man could never have had the idea but by the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is the sign of divine love for men. The life of Christ is the sign of human duty. These manifestations are objective to the soul. These ideas, embodied in sign language, are the material of the highest moral culture. But in order to elevate and purify the soul, they must become subjective in the heart, and authoritative with the conscience and the will. End of section 20